0: And this age is a Christ rejecting age. And he says, "Don't be conformed to that kind of thinking." You know, because the way we think and act and the value and our priorities will transform the way we live and activities, there's certain things that are just not pure. Period. And if you're going to be a living and holy sacrifice, you will not be involved. And there'll be an outward distinction, no question about it. But what he's after here is the inward. So when you hear the term, and you don't hear it much, in the pulpits of our day, worldliness, you know, because we're busy as a church, and I'm speaking of the American church now, trying to act and think and get inside the mind of the world constantly, it seems. And when the scripture do saying, don't, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. I'm calling you to a completely different kind of a
1: lifestyle. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Do Not Be Conformed. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started.
0: Take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12. 12th chapter of Romans. 11 chapters of what God has done. Only after 11 chapters do you come to this 12th chapter where He tells us what we should do in response to what He has done. First, doctrine, then duty. First, what God has done, then what we should do. I urge you, therefore, brethren by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, That you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. God's truth, and I'm thinking now of the first 11 chapters of Romans, God's truth is never meant to merely be data or even knowledge. It's always meant to transform our lives. To change the way we think, our values, our priorities, and hence the way we live. And I don't use those terms uh, always and never lightly when I say that. And I tell you, you can always pray what I just prayed when you open your Bible. You can always pray with confidence, God... Speak to me. Let me have ears to hear. I don't want to be merely a forgetful hearer. I want to be an effective doer, Father. Make me that kind of person. Don't let me just come to this book unchanged. And that's why when you turn to the Scripture, pray. Ask God to open it up. And do so reverently. It's good to get on your knees sometimes before the Scripture because it's the voice of God you're listening to. And... uh, Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So pray that God will change you as you open His Word. Jesus said, if you'll abide in My Word, you'll know the truth, and the truth will change you, transform you, set you free. So with that in mind, uh, remember this great hinge point we're at in Romans. We don't just jump in. I mean, if you're just coming... To Romans, if you're visiting with us today, I'm glad you're here. But we've been looking at 11 chapters of truth, and that's when Paul says, verse 1, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves, to present your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice. This is the primary duty of the Christian. God has done it all for us. Now we are to present ourselves to Him. We're to abandon ourselves Body, soul, spirit, the whole thing, when he says, present your bodies, you're not just talking about the physical side of your life, obviously. You put everything on the altar. And notice, and we saw this, and I just bring it to your mind. Look at verse 1. We're to be a living and holy sacrifice. It's an ongoing thing. It isn't just a one-point-in-time dedication, though it usually includes that. But it's an ongoing, it's a living sacrifice, and it's to be a holy sacrifice. We are not only declared righteous because of the blood of Christ, but we are called to a life of holiness. And it won't do to speak of giving your life to Christ if you're living in impurity. No, to follow Jesus Christ is to follow the pure one. And we're to be living and holy sacrifices. And uh, we saw, look at verse 1, that this is well-pleasing to God. This is acceptable. Now, that word acceptable is well-pleasing. It's a strong term. God is pleased. It's a fragrant aroma to Him to have Christians' lives given over to Him. And as I said last week, this call is to those who know Him. The call, if you don't know Christ, is to come to Christ. It's to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But knowing Christ, the call is to present yourself a living and holy sacrifice. And He is pleased with this. In fact, it's the only logical thing to do. That's what that phrase, the spiritual service of worship, really says. It comes from the word very clearly that we get our word logical or rational. It's the only reasonable thing to do, given what God did for me is to put myself at His disposal. And we've been asking ourselves, are we really? Is your life, is my life, can it be described as a living and holy sacrifice given over to Him, presented completely to Him? The way I think, the way I act, everything about me. And that, of course, is the real foundation. Look at the last word in verse 1. That's the real foundation for worship. Worship is consecration to Him. It is putting ourselves at His disposal. That's when we can really worship Him. That's what God desires. He's looking for that kind of worship. He seeks worshipers who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, I asked last time, what does that look like in life? And you remember we looked at, at, at one in Philippians 2, Epaphroditus, whose life was, was given over to Christ, and he risked his life, he risked his health, he risked everything for the cause of Christ. And then we just kind of looked, there was a cluster of examples there. Timothy, who didn't seek his own interests, but sought the interests of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I don't have too many like that. And I'd have to say, sadly, in the evangelical community today, You have to sort through quite a few who follow Christ, at least in word, but seek day-to-day, hour-to-hour, month-to-month, year-to-year, decade-to-decade. You'd have to say, I can't really say they're seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness. They're not seeking His interests, they're seeking their interests, and they're tipping their hat. To Christ, Don't be like that. Don't be a mediocre Christian. Resolve to be like Timothy. Or Paul who said, I'm pouring my life out like a drink offering. Or, of course, the supreme example we saw in Philippians 2, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and took on the form of a bondservant and was found in appearance as a man, and he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our example. He is our example. But what does it look like, you might say once again? And rather than going to Philippians 2 this morning, let's just stay right in Romans and look at the next verse. What does it look like? To be a living sacrifice, set apart to God, presented to Him. Well, verse 2 explains, and really the rest of Romans does. But verse 2 is right here with this summary statement. Don't be conformed to this world. It will be completely different from this present world, this present age. This world isn't devoted to God. If you want to be devoted to God, you'll be different. You will not be conformed to this world, but rather, secondly, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There will be, first of all, a difference. There's a nonconformity. And then, secondly, there is a conformity. Because as He transforms us from the inside out, we become conformed, not to this world, but to the image of His Son, Romans 8.29 said. He's already pointed that out, that that's God's purpose in our life. He wants to change us to be like Jesus. He wants Him to be the firstborn among many brethren. And so we are conformed to the image of His Son. And the third thing will be different, we will be transformed, and we will prove out then, look at the rest of the verse, we'll prove out the will of God in our lives. It will show forth God's will, which is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, Satan lies and says that God's will would be to make you miserable. God's will would be to make you sort of a distorted person. If you give yourself... If you really put yourself on the altar, you'll be a fanatic. You'll get all distorted. You'll be out of whack. The truth of the matter is only those who are presented to Christ... Only those who are living in holy sacrifices know what life is really all about. And it's good, and it's acceptable, and it's perfect. It's just what God wants, and He wants the best for us. He loves us. Now, having said that, let's uh, let's look more closely at that first phrase of verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. You see, to follow Christ is to be different. It's to be different. He said, I want you to be like salt. Salt is distinct. And it changes things that it comes in contact with. Or I want you to be light. Light is in the ex- exact opposite of the darkness in this age. We're to be salt and light. If, you, if your goal in life is to be like everybody else, well, don't try to follow Christ. If your goal is to just kind of fit in and conform to what everybody else wants you to be like and act like and value, and you just want to be formed by peer pressure, then don't, don't try to follow Christ. And if you're a Christian, and you've been trying to just fit in all the time, you're a miserable Christian. I can tell you that right now. And uh, I guess you could say that both ways. You're a miserable Christian. <laughs> you could say, but I, what I had in mind wasn't quite that tough. <laughs> You miserable. No. I was, I was thinking in terms of your own heart, you know, how much happiness you're enjoying. It's a miserable existence to try to be something you're not. And that's really what this first term, conform, means. There's two key words there in our phrase conform and the world. And this first one, to be conformed has the idea of being squeezed into somebody else's mold it's to try to act like on the outside something that you're not on the inside and when a christian a new creature in christ hangs out with the world tries to act like the world think like the world talk like the world value things like the world does he's trying to be something he really isn't and he's miserable J.B. Phillips uh, translates this verse don't let the world around you squeeze it into squeeze you into its mold. And that's a good translation of this phrase. Uh, to be conformed is to be formed by the outward, your peers, your circumstances, you know, and just kind of and that's the way the world lives. That's the way people without Christ, they're pretty much in bondage to that they don't even know it. But we're not to be that way. We're to be transformed from the inside out, metamorphosis. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So don't be conformed. And then notice the next key phrase, the world. Don't be conformed to this world. Jesus spoke an awful lot about the world. He spoke about its ruler. He warned about the God of this world. He said this uh, world's loves, this world's lusts, this love's values, this world's worries tend to choke the life right out of people. And he spoke an awful lot about the world now in the Bible, in the New Testament, there's two Greek terms for a uh, world eon which is usually translated age. And that's the word we're using here. That's the word Paul uses in verse 2. Don't let don't be conformed to this age, to this eon. And the other term for world is cosmos. And uh they have a distinction, but as you can see here, usually the New American translates eon as age, but here it translates it rightly, I think, world, and oftentimes you'll see these terms used interchangeably. Uh, Let me give you a few examples of that because just so you get in mind that when he uses either term, he's talking about the same issues. And so uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 3, those three chapters, sometime read those, and the New American, I think consistently the whole way through. Uh, translates the two terms "eon" as age, and "cosmos" as world. But when you look carefully at what Paul's saying, he's equating the two. Tur- turn over there just a second. Look over just a few pages. First Corinthians one, verse uh, twenty. Where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age, eon? Has not God made foolish, that debater? (laughs) Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world, cosmos? He uses them interchangeably. And he does that really all the way through these three chapters. Look over chapter 3. and really, by reading these two verses, I'm kind of summarizing what Paul is saying in these chapters. Uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3, a tremendous section of Scripture. Verse 18, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he's wise in this age, let him become foolish that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world, cosmos, is foolishness before God. He uses these terms interchangeably. He says, if you think you're wise... How about you become foolish so that you might be wise? For the wisdom of this world, this age, is foolishness to God. What man is so enthralled with, what he thinks is so wise, in reality is folly. Professing to be wise, remember where Romans started? They become fools. That's the way people live without Christ. So these terms are used interchangeably. Jesus warned about the ruler or the God of this world, cosmos. Paul says in Second Corinthians 4, I think it's verse 4, he says, the God of this world, but he uses the term eon at that point, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. So he's the God of this world. He's the God of this age. Satan is. He's both. And uh As I say, the Scripture uses it interchangeably. We're told not to love the world in 1 John 2, not to love the cosmos, and then we're told of one who did love the world in Paul's writings, Demas. He loved this present world, this present age, and uh, he made shipwreck of his Christian testimony. I'll tell you, many Christians fail to heed this command, and there's several ways to uh, miss the thought or avoid the truth of what God is after here when He says, don't be conformed to this world. A lot of people, eh, Christians, think in terms of worldliness as the outward. You know, what kind of makeup do you wear? Or what kind of styles? or And that's what they equate worldliness with. This age, this world, it's that philosophical mindset, it's the inward it's that philosophical mindset. It's the it's the thinking that permeates our age. It's the thinking of a fallen, sinful humanity that was so twisted and darkened that when God, the light of the world, came to earth, they said, crucify Him, crucify Him. And they did. And this age is a Christ-rejecting age. And He says, don't be conformed. To that kind of thinking. Now, it might include, now, I, when I speak of worldliness, it might include, in fact, it will include some outward stuff. You know, because the way we think and act and, I mean, think and of value and our priorities will transform the way we live and activities. There's certain things that are just not pure. Period. And if you're going to be a living and holy sacrifice, you will not be involved. And there'll be an outward distinction, no question about it. But what he's after here is the inward. So when you hear the term, and you don't hear it much in the pulpits of our day, worldliness, you know, because we're busy as a church, and I'm speaking of the American church now, trying to act and think and get inside the mind of the world constantly, it seems. And when the scripture's saying, don't, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. I'm calling you to a completely different kind of a lifestyle. But when you do hear the term worldliness, don't don't relegate it to a little list of do's and don'ts. Some of the most worldly Christians have their little list of do's and don'ts in order on the outward stuff, but they're just captured by materialism just like the world is they're just captured by their career they're just captured by pleasure seeking how many weekends can we get to the second home or the third home you know how many new toys can i there's all kinds of ways to be just like this world in it's thinking this is the only life you've got you better enjoy it and still have your little list of do's and don'ts in fine order So I want to make that clear. Then let's look at the Scripture. And I I want to put it this way. Six reasons why you and I should not be conformed to this world. As if Romans 1 through 11 isn't enough, you know, because that's what he said, right? Verse 1, he says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, if that isn't enough, what God has done for you, I mean, that should be enough. But let me give you some more reasons, and of course they're not really in addition to. They're just part of what we've learned, but I want to look through Scripture and hear what God says about the world because we're to be different. We're not to be like a chameleon changing to be like everybody else, whatever circumstance we're in. We're to be distinctly different. We're not to be conformed to this world. Why? First of all, Christ died to deliver us from this world. He he died to deliver us from this present evil age, it says in Galatians 1, verse 4. Um, Last time, remember I said that uh, our job is not to get more from God. He's given us everything. Our job is to give to Him. And you remember I quoted that verse in, uh, I think it's the third verse, of 2 Peter 1 that says He has given to us everything pertaining to life and Godliness. You don't need to get more from God. He has given you everything you need.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Do Not Be Conformed, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times, and radio stations. Our new website will be AbideInTheWord.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There will be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott. Easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's AbideInTheWord.net. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page, chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast.
0: He said, the world doesn't hate you, but the world hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. And I'll tell you something, Jesus Christ said... That if we follow him, we'll get the same treatment. Don't think that you'll be treated better than your master. A slave isn't treated better than his master, he says in chapter 15 of John. If they hated me, they'll hate you. And if they do hate you, remember they hated me first, he said. And if you experience, young people, some uh, hatred in your social set, your peer group, your age group, remember they hated Christ. And when I say peer pressure, and we typically, and I typically say young people, who's more conformed to this world? Who lets peer pressure drive them more? Oftentimes it's us, middle-aged ones, following the same value structure of this world rather than living transformed lives. So I'm not just speaking to young people when I say, if you experience some hatred from this world, remember,
1: he was hated first. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Do Not Be Conformed. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.